Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. At center ice, it's Connor McDavid. He's got Darrell Walker, and he's got some room down the sidelines. McDavid to Everly, dishes off. What time? To the 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Eskimos. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. This might be the most excited I've ever been for an episode of Inside Sports. It's Friday night. We're launching into an Oilers eight-game homestand. we got some fun guests coming up. My goodness, all I'm missing is streamers falling from the roof. Oh, there they are. Thanks for arranging that, Kellen. Thanks for joining us tonight. It's 6.07. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, we're going to hear from head coach Todd McClellan in a few minutes here. The Oilers gearing up to play Detroit tomorrow night. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but we have the Oilers games right here on 6.30. Chad, tomorrow, 6.30 for the face-off show, and the game will start at 8. It is the uh, second longest homestand in Oilers history. They have had uh, three other eight-game homestands before. They had a nine-game homestand back in the 80s. I have the details of how they did on those homestands in the story on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Chris Russell was back on the ice at practice today. He uh, he missed yesterday, just a maintenance day. He's good to go. Looks like David DeHarnay will make his Oilers debut tomorrow, so that'll be interesting. Lines were the same, so DeHarnay skated between Slepeshev and Cassian. We'll see how they look at uh, tomorrow's morning skate. Uh, the Briars starting tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about that with Dave Nettowin. And we're going to talk to 11-year NHL defenseman, recently retired, Mike Weaver. He uh, finished his career with the Montreal Canadiens. So we'll get some stories from him. And he's a part of a pretty cool, brand new uh, initiative to uh, to help kind of grassroots hockey. So uh, we'll talk about that with Mike coming up between 7 and 8 tonight. Let's check the scoreboard. The Wings are in action a little bit later on, playing at Calgary. Also later, the Maple Leafs visit the Ducks. I joked earlier in the week, Oilers fans, I don't know if you can bring yourself to do it, but you got to cheer for the Leafs tonight, don't you? Because Anaheim is two points behind Edmonton for second place in the Pacific Division. I don't know if people can bring themselves to cheer for the Leafs under any circumstances. Maybe if it came down to the last game of the season and the Leafs had to beat somebody for the Oilers to actually make the playoffs. I don't know if people can do it on March 3rd. We'll see. Islanders and Blackhawks face off at 6.30. Blues and Jets just getting underway. The Coyotes lead the Hurricanes 2-0. That game is uh, late in the first period. Speaking of which, here's what uh, Hurricanes head coach Bill Peters had to say about his backup goaltender, Eddie Lack. 
Well, you got to push. The one guy's played 10 games. Eddie's played 10 games and was poor in his last outing. Let's not kid ourselves, right? There's 16 shots, four went in. Not good enough. Look at his numbers in the league. They're not good enough. So I don't think it's much of a competition. I think we've got a guy who's well ahead of the other guy. That's what I see. And the numbers back that up. So when he gets in again, you better play. You better earn some respect from your teammates. Your teammates are out there working their bag off. You better get some saves and a timely save at the right time. Wouldn't hurt. That's a little bit honest, eh? <laughs> we'll call that one. Well, no, it's honest. I just looked it up. You look up any goalie that's played 10 games in the National Hockey League in the top 60 and save percentage, I know who's 60. There's 30 teams. It's not good enough. Uh, Cam Ward playing tonight, by the way, for the Carolina Hurricanes. Cam Ward. Eddie Lack remaining the backup. Lightning and Penguins, no score. Second period just starting in Pittsburgh. That's your look at the scoreboard. The Raptors are playing tonight as well. They're up 59-50 on uh, Washington with a minute 16 left in the first half. I do want to let you know, you can reach out by texting 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. Really, you can talk about whatever you want. Usually people want to talk about sports, but uh, we're here uh, We're here to listen. All right, so the Oilers practicing today. And, uh, you know, so they, they played Tuesday. They ground out that win in St. Louis. The players had Wednesday off. Couple of uh, practice days here. Yesterday, especially a really long practice, more detailed stuff today. And you know, Todd McClellan loves having the extra practice time, which they should continue to have a pretty regular practice schedule with this homestand coming up. Uh, we've had two sharp days of practice where we've been able to review systematic play, positioning, maybe work a little bit more on details. Um, you know, the initial concern coming home is just coming home. Uh, when you're on the road, again, you get into that rhythm. When you come home, um, at least I felt it in my world, like there's a lot of things that you have to get done. You haven't been around for two weeks. Uh, so you scramble to do that, and now this game shows up, and, and we got to get going again here. we got to get uh, uh, some momentum. We've got to establish our, ourselves again here at home. Um, so that's the initial concern. As it goes on, we want to use the practice time as, as wisely as we can. Um, and uh, continue to grow our game, uh, make sure that we're polishing things up in, in areas where we haven't had that practice time, and then apply it and see if it's working. All right, so they'll try to get it to work here against Detroit tomorrow, the first three games, uh, then the Islanders on Tuesday, Pittsburgh on Friday. Then it's every second day until March 20th to go through this homestand. I mean, we, we know this is, this is a good coaching staff. I, I mean, I, I know uh, some of you don't like McClellan's uh, line shuffling or his line choices. Sometimes the shootout lineup has been questioned. Fair enough, but I think Todd McClellan is a good coach. They work very hard. You can see the detail in the practices. You can see the things they work on in practice in the games. And I got to tell you something here, folks, and I know a lot of people, maybe not a lot, but there's a segment of you, I feel, that are a little superstitious. And I guess that comes with being a sports fan. You got to sit in your lucky chair or wear your lucky socks or sit in the same position or, or watch with a certain person or, or, or whatever for things to go right. And not a lot has gone right for the Edmonton Oilers over the last decade, let's face it. Um, but some of you, when I, when I use the P word playoffs and i'm not afraid to use it you're like don't read don't say it yet but what are you doing don't say it you'll jinx it well i won't it's just like i'll gladly say shutout when a goaltender has a shutout going 
I don't have any effect on the game. But I'll tell you this. I will tell you this. Whether you want to talk about it or not, whether you want to admit it openly or not, it is very, very likely, really over 99% probability, that the Oilers are going to the playoffs. And this coaching staff, and I think the players as well, are behaving as if they are going to go to the playoffs. They know there is work to be done. They're not they're not counting on it without the work being done, but if they keep doing the work, they believe they're getting in. And Todd McClellan knows it can be a bit of a different animal when you get in the playoffs. And then you got to play the same team for two weeks and try to beat them four times out of seven games. And, and they are already getting ready for that. We've actually, over the last day or two, introduced a, a couple new concepts that we think we may need down the road. And uh, we put them into play and practice. We may... Uh, you know, depending on what other teams are doing, we may use them in, in tomorrow night's game, we may use them in Tuesday's game, uh, but we're trying to build and grow our team a little bit so that we can make adjustments uh, and show teams different looks in different areas. So this time allows us to do that. When, you know, when it gets a little further along and, and the fatigue factor kicks in again, uh, you don't have that luxury, so we're trying to use it now. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's something I've heard uh, coaches say ever since I was covering teams in the old Alberta Junior Hockey League. You, you try to introduce some concepts now, work on some details. And so then when you go into the playoffs and teams have gone back and watched film of all 82 games you've played and they think, okay, Edmonton's going to do this, this, and this, Todd McClellan and his staff want to come out and have, oh, all of a sudden Edmonton did this for half a period. Oh, that was different. We didn't expect that. Maybe you gain an advantage off that kind of thing. I mean, it's kind of coaching 101, but it's they don't they don't put that in the week before the playoffs. They're starting to do that now. And like Todd McClellan said, we worked on things the last couple of days. Maybe you'll see it tomorrow against Detroit. Maybe you'll see it Tuesday against the New York Islanders. Maybe you won't see it for several games or several weeks but they're already getting that into the players' brains and introducing some new concepts and some new details. Kevin from Stony, I'm going to assume Stony Plain. Do we have any other Stonies in northern Alberta? Stony Creek. Where is that? Uh, in Alberta somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God you're I, not I running Wikipedia, Kellen Kennedy. I, I honestly think it's east of town. <laughs> I, 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 I just want to say, or sorry, west of town, I should say, not east. And now... Facts with Kellen Kennedy. Kellen, specifically, where is Stony Creek? I don't know, Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin from Stony says, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins can't drive a line. When does he go to the wing? The top six could be Lucic, McDavid, and Nugent Hopkins, Maroon, Dreisaitl, and Eberle. The bottom six could be Pouliot, DeHarnay, and Cassian, Hendricks, Latestu, and Pacarinen. And then you have the AHL tweeners like Kajula, Kyra, and Slepeshev. That's from Kevin on Stoney. You know what, Kevin? You raise an interesting question. Your, your line combinations aside, because uh, you have Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, at least from what I read here, on the right wing. I, I think if Ryan Nugent Hopkins ever went to the wing, he would probably play left wing. But this is a legitimate question that has come up. Is, is that going to be Nugent Hopkins' long-term future in the NHL? to wind up as a winger if he uh, if his face-offs don't improve. I, I, I mean, I think Nugent Hopkins has been a pretty responsible defensive player this year. The offense is, is definitely below expectations. And here's, here's the thing, guys. Um, I, 
you, you know, people talk about. I, I won't use Nuge just as an example, but people sometimes a player plays good defense, and people say, "Well, he's a good two-way player." Actually, a player who is only good in his own end is not a two-way player. He's just a defensive player, right? I mean, Steve Eiserman became a true two-way player where he could produce points at an elite or near-elite level and check. Now, I don't know if... I don't think Edmonton has anybody... I mean, I picked one of the best players of the last 30 years there, but hopefully you know what I'm saying. Uh, this texter says, Reed, I want to publicly thank Peter Shirelli, Todd McClellan, and staff for creating a culture and team identity we can be proud of. Let's go, boys. I appreciate the text. I don't know if getting that message out to the 14 people that listen to this show, though, counts as doing it publicly. Though I do appreciate you picking this as the forum to do it. I have a correction, <laughs> a small correction to make. Yes, go ahead. Okay, so I was partially right <laughs> in saying great. Stony. I was partially right in saying Stony Creek is west of town. However, it is southwest of town. It's actually in Kananaskis uh, Provincial Park, off of Highway So it's one. in southern Alberta. Southern Alberta, not yeah. northern Alberta. Yeah, yeah. There's apparently yeah, hey, a casino there. We, so we have an, we have enough trouble getting people in northern Alberta to listen. That's Let's right. not worry too much about southern Alberta. And is it not Stony EY for Stony Creek? Yeah, it's Stony Plain is EY. Yeah. Derek says going to the playoffs is one thing, winning the first round is another. Losing four straight in the first round hurts a team more than not making the playoffs at all. Uh, I think not for me, not being in the playoffs at all sucks more. I think. But uh, I guess Derek would. Uh, I don't know, Derek. Would you sooner the Oilers miss the playoffs again than get swept in the first round if you had a choice? I think I'd sooner get them get in and see what happens. 619, couple more texts to get to. Inside Sports on 630, Chet. It's 619. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Cam Talbot ready to go tomorrow against the Red Wings. Thanks a lot for tuning in. All right. I want to get some texts here. This texter says, sort the standings by face-off percentage and tell me how they look. How strong is the face-off percentage correlated to winning percentage? Well, that's a great point. The Oilers, as people probably know, are last in face-offs at 46.7%. The second last team is the Pittsburgh Penguins, having a good year. The third last team, 28th, is the New York Rangers also having a really good year. So then then the Jets and the Panthers are fourth last and fifth last. The best face-off team in the league is the Anaheim Ducks. Decent team. The second best face-off team in the entire NHL, the Colorado Avalanche, who are having, obviously, an extremely poor season. So I think Peter Shirelli said it best when he talked to... Uh, talked to uh, Bob a few weeks ago where he said, you know, maybe there's not a direct correlation, but he goes, I'd sooner not be last. If you had to, And a lot of it is situational, right? Uh, um, a face-off in a, in a defensive zone or attacking zone tends to mean more than a face-off in the neutral zone. Penalty killing, you want to win the face-offs. And when I had Jim Johnson on last week after the Oilers had had a couple bad games killing penalties, he said they were 28%
in the faceoff circle while shorthanded. So, I mean, you could have won 75% of the faceoffs in the game, but if you're only 28% while shorthanded, you're really giving the other team uh, a good chance to score. Uh, this texter, uh, the texter goes on to say there have been plenty of centermen who didn't have 45% or more in faceoffs. Uh, I'm leery that the Ryan Nugent Hopkins will get run out of town by fans and then will put up points somewhere else. Well, fair concern. I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's getting run out of town by, by any means. This texture says, hey, Reed, I think Todd McClellan has been a fine coach for us, but one thing that perplexes me is the tendency for the reset of our D behind the net and then trying the Hail Mary tip-in. Russell, who I greatly admire for his defensive play, drives me crazy with it, and I wish he'd just keep skating because he has the wheels. Just a thought, and I'm not confident in the minutes Clefbaum will get in a tight series until he starts committing to taking the body better and not allowing so many guys to get away unscathed or to walk by him. Hopefully he starts watching his partner and how effective he is at stopping the cycling. That's obviously Adam Larson he's referring to. Yeah, I know that I know that reset um, upsets fans sometimes. I mean, they're, a lot of times they're buying time for a line change, uh, but I know it's frustrating when they reset to try to buy some time or get what they want, and then, yeah, they try that long stretch pass and it goes for icing or it gets tipped in or turned over. Having said that, I'll say to that texture, watch how often other teams do it as well. I think it's a pretty common tactic. Uh, I think you're probably noticing it a little bit more because it's uh, it's your favorite team doing it. But, uh, yeah, fair point. All right. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text six thirty six thirty. We'll talk a little bit about the Detroit Red Wings with one of their radio hosts in the next half hour. The Wings about to miss the playoffs for the first time in twenty five seasons, and obviously their uh, legendary owner Mike Illich passed away earlier this year. Inside Sports on six thirty. Chad back after the news. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. All right, I think some people are trying to get out on the uh, open line. Well, we'll do some calls in about uh, 10 minutes or so, if that's okay. i got a guest lined up here I want to get to. I do want to do the scoreboard as well. The U of A hockey team at Saskatchewan for Game 1 of the Canada West Final. That game tied 1-1 late in uh, the first period. Both teams are going to Nationals, but obviously a big rivalry there, so you want to win the league against your rival. The uh, University of Golden Bears basketball team going to Nationals for the first time since 2014. They won their Canada West semifinal. This is a single game, 83-70 over Saskatchewan this afternoon. So that's good. NHL, Penguins lead the Lightning 2-1 late in the second period. Early second frame, Coyotes and Hurricanes 2-2. Jets won, Blues nothing in the first Islanders and Blackhawks just getting underway in about half an hour. The Wings, who are here tomorrow, face the Flames. And later on tonight, the Maple Leafs are at the Ducks. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. And I'm pleased that uh, Jeff Rieger would join us tonight because he does work on Detroit Red Wings broadcast for 97-1 The Ticket. Jeff, thanks for coming back on the show, man. How are you doing? For sure. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Good to talk to you. Uh, so I guess you're not doing a pregame show then. You're you're doing intermissions and postgame. 
Yeah, uh, we got local programming today, so uh, we go right into the game at about uh, five minutes here, 840, but uh, just intermissions tonight when they're on the road. Okay, cool. Good stuff. Well, thanks for getting us, uh, making time for us on the show tonight. It, 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 I mean, Detroit's been a I guess a model franchise in the NHL, and, I, and they obviously still are. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw them under the bus for f- looking like they're gonna miss the playoffs for the first time since 1990. But just, uh, just what's your take on how this season has gone, and uh, how come it looks like they're gonna come up short? I mean, they are last in the East coming into action tonight. Yeah, listen, they're 12 points out of the three spot in the Atlantic. They're 10 points out of the wild card. So. Despite Jeff Blaschel, the head coach today, saying we're going to make the playoffs because of Henrik Zetterberg, which I don't quite know what he was talking about, uh, it's been a brutal season. They've had a lot of injuries, no question about that, lost a lot of man games. But as well, I mean, some of their players just haven't performed. And maybe it's because their D isn't that good and the forwards having a trouble, you know, getting quality chances. Or maybe it's the fact that as this streak is going on, You've lost a lot of really good players, and Ken Holland hasn't done a good enough job of replacing those players. Now, you know, guys like Rafolski and Lidstrom, they're hard to replace, but when you have Erickson and, and Green, it's quite not the same. So I think a lot of fans saw this coming. I don't know if they thought it was going to be this bad, but I really think it's a regression of players. Riley Shane, this guy at one point at 13, 14 goals, he's got zero goals through almost three-quarters of the season here. Gustav Nyquist and Thomas Tatar, both 20-plus goal scorers in their careers. They don't score anymore. Dylan Larkin, everybody fell in love with him last year. He's really regressed, and, you know, his ice time has suffered this year. So I think it's a combination of injuries and a lot of guys that they counted on just haven't got the job done. Yeah, well, like you mentioned, there are some kind of startling stats for a couple of players for sure. You know, you you host a radio show, so obviously you interact with, with fans. I, I'm just curious the experience of the fan base that, you know, they've had Stanley Cup victories, they've had playoff series, you know, every year since 1990, except for the lockout, obviously. what what How's the fan base going through this experience? I mean, here at Edmonton, we've gone through 10 straight without the playoffs. So right. That's been frustrating. Is it kind of like, well, bound to happen, or is there frustration, or how are the fans reacting? It's kind of mixed, and it's really interesting, because you guys know what it's like the so-called tank, right? And I understand that, you know, at times there was bad ownership, or management, rather, and you know, with the, with the Wings, it's been pretty up and up. You know, the Wings' philosophy has always been, if we have to rebuild, we're going to rebuild on the fly because we don't want to miss the playoffs. And in theory, that's beautiful. But I think, as most people know, you kind of have to bottom out a little bit, maybe get lucky in the draft. And that's how most teams, it seems like, have success. So most teams, believe it or not, guys, they want to be like Edmonton was. They want to be like Toronto was. And... I think they kind of underestimate how long it really takes to get the rebuild done. Ken Holland actually came on our air the other day and said rebuilds take 10 to 15 years. And people were outraged. <laughs> now, I think sometimes they do. Sometimes I guess they don't. You look at a team like Columbus, they seem to have done it all with trades and free agent deals. Then you look at other teams, and you know they got their core players through, obviously, the draft. I think Wings fans, and it's bizarre, but I think Wings fans have seen the highs with the Cubs they would love draft picks. Nothing more than getting lucky in the draft, not being very good for a couple years, three, four, maybe five years. Draft, draft well, draft high, and hopefully get this thing back to where it was. Because I think the majority of fans feel that this team constructed as it is now 
just isn't going to win. And and it's weird because you wouldn't think fans would feel that way, but they're smart here in Detroit, and, and I think that's the overwhelming feeling. Jeff Rieger joining us, a host, a host of Red Wings Hockey on 97.1 The Ticket in Detroit. Hey, uh, look, uh, Mike Yelich obviously passed away earlier this season, yeah. uh, you know, a renowned owner, and, and quite frankly, when he took over the Detroit Red Wings, they were pretty bad. I mean, people used to call Without them the, the dead things in a, in a league where it was <laughs> e- pretty easy to make the playoffs with 16 of 21. Uh, they rarely got in. Just what, uh, you know, just tell me a little bit, maybe if any personal experience you had with Illich and just what he meant, I, I think not just to the Red Wings, but to that whole region. Well, I mean, he meant a lot to the city, obviously, but he meant a ton as well to sports fans. And you, you hit on it. So he bought the Wings in 82, and they won their first cup in 97 for the, well, not first, but, you know, first cup in four, over four decades. And, you know, Mr. I got him four. And I think fans loved him because of his willingness to win and his willingness to spend. Now, in hockey, it's a little different in the non-cap era. You know, they made a lot of trades and signed a lot of free agents because, A, they were paying, and, B, they were winning, and everybody wanted to come here. And it was beautiful. But I think fans really loved him because he wanted to win. And, you know, not really even hockey. Like, you look at the baseball team. He's the owner of the Tigers as well. Well, at mm-hmm. least he was, obviously. And and he was known for going out and getting baseball players that were really expensive, were superstars. And it probably wasn't financially responsible for Mr. I to do what he did. But he wanted to win so bad, he believed that stars won. So he gave the Tigers a chance. He did the same exact thing for the Wings. And when he passed away, it was like a two-week celebration of his life because he did a lot of great things. He served the country. He obviously played minor league baseball. He ran Little Caesars Pizza, opened it up, started it from nothing, and was a self-made guy, a self-made billionaire. So fans love him, and fans are going to miss him without a doubt. You know, some of the interactions I've had, I talked to him a couple times at press conferences, and the one time I remember, I'll never forget, I asked him about Max Scherzer. Now, if you're a baseball fan, the Tigers had Max Scherzer. He came off yep. a young uh, year, and they let him go to free agency, and he obviously ended up going to the Nationals. So two years after the fact, because there was this big controversy, did the Tigers offer enough? Was Max selfish? He wanted too much. So I asked Mr. Illich, I'm like, what happened there? And most owners, GMs, whatever, they're not going to tell you the truth. Mr. I looked me straight in the face and said, he wanted too much money, so we moved on from him. And it was as easy as that. Meanwhile, he won the Cy Young this year, but I I just thought that was cool. He always answered questions. He was pretty forthcoming. And, you know, he wasn't – he didn't really hesitate to make a change if he didn't think it was going to work. And I think you saw that with another baseball example of Dave Dombrowski a couple years ago when he fired him because they had a bad season, essentially. So – I think fans love them because he expected excellence and he wouldn't take anything else. Jeff Rieger joining us inside sports on 630 Chet. He covers the Detroit Red Wings and the entire Detroit uh, sports scene. Couple, just a couple more for you, Jeff, because I know you're getting ready to watch the uh, the Wings and the sure. Flames. From, from a hockey perspective tomorrow, for Oilers fans watching that game, what should they be concerned about for the Wings? I mean, we've talked about them having a tough season, but there's no freebies in this league. No, you're right about that. Um, well, the good thing for you guys is they're playing the second game of a back-to-back. They're in Calgary tonight. So uh, the Wings historically, well, at least this season, they haven't been really good in those second games of back-to-back. They have won four of their last five games. They have 
started to score a little bit. And, and guys, I'll tell you what, the one guy you need to always watch out for has been Henrik Zetterberg. Last year, not a great season. A lot of people thought down year, bad back, kind of coming to the end here. And he leads them in points and goals, and he's been outstanding for them. So I'd say you probably have to watch out for him, too. And, you know, the couple of young guys, too, they don't get a whole lot of pub, like a Connor McDavid, but uh, Andreas <laughs> Anthony, CU, he's been outstanding this year. And he doesn't play a whole lot of ice time, but when he does, he's productive. And Anthony Mapp is another guy, and he's from Montreal originally, and he's been outstanding this year. And, you know, he's, he's not going to be in the talk of any rookie of the year type conversation, but he's been very good. And, and I think he probably has the best upside of any of the younger guys on this team. So I think those are probably the guys that you, you, you kind of circle. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting because, because the Wings – playing Edmonton, you guys are what, second in your division, the Wings are last in the Eastern Conference, and it used to be always different. Yep. You know, I, I circled this game, because everybody wants to see Connor McDavid, and, and you circle it, and you say to yourself, well, it used to be, you guys were always in the bottom, and the Wings were always in the top, and uh, it's obviously not like that, so it's going to be a weird dynamic tomorrow. Alright, and uh, my, my other one, I'm going to throw a football question with you, just to wrap it up, uh, about the Detroit Lions. They were 9-4, and four. Uh, and then didn't win a game. Uh, I mean, so you have to end it on the Lions. So. Sense, sense of a, I guess, a little sense of a missed opportunity or unfinished business with your football team this year or last no year. No question. Well, yeah. I mean, you can look at it two ways. Some people will say uh, they made the playoffs without a single Pro Bowler, so uh, that was good. And Matthew Stafford seemed like he came alive at times, so that was good as well. The bad thing is they didn't beat a playoff team, and every team they beat was under 500 for the most part, with the exception of one. And, uh, you, you know, the games you're talking about, 9-4, and four, they played the Giants in New York. They lost. They played uh, the Packers for it all on national TV in their own barn. They lost. They went to Dallas. They got blown out of, uh, you know, Dallas. So um, it's always that feeling of missed opportunities. The good thing is new GM, coach is coming back. If you have a good draft and have a little money for free agency, hopefully they'll be able to improve on what happened last year. So, so I think most Lions fans are happy. First year of a new GM, they made the playoffs. but uh, And they made the playoffs three of the last four years, so that's a good thing as well. Well, Stafford can be pretty exciting to watch, so uh, he's one of the guys I don't mind tuning in to see for sure. Jeff, thanks for making time for us on Inside Sports. Uh, you never, you ever need anybody for uh, from Edmonton on, uh, on your show, I, I would just like a little Caesars coupon and I'll come do it. Well, I, I could do that. The crazy bread's outstanding. Real quick, guys, how is it over there? Uh, well, what's the fan? Is the fan base going nuts? You guys are not only going to the playoffs, but what do you have? Oh, don't don't point, say right? that. I was joking earlier. People don't want to count any chickens here, but uh, yeah, oh, I mean, pe- pe- people people are excited, but it's it's always uh, it's always analyzed and picked apart, and uh, you know what 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 could go wrong. So you know what it's like. People people <laughs> always worry, and but no, it's 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 going to be. They they will get in, and, and it's going to be such a cool environment in this city once they are in. Absolutely. Jeff, thanks for joining That's us, man. Awesome. All right, guys. Take care. Have a great weekend. That is Jeff Rieger checking in from 97-1, the ticket in Detroit. Little Red Wings talk. Some great words there about the uh, late owner of the team, Mike Illich. All right, if you were trying to call in before, I can do open line now, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. we got former NHL defenseman Mike Weaver coming up after 7. He's part of a brand-new project that will educate you on all ahead on Chet.
is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Hey, Mike Riley. Good quarterback. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thank you for tuning in tonight. 780-496-0063 is our phone number. Oilers Detroit tomorrow, 630 face-off show. Game starts at 8 here on 630 Chet. John is itching to talk to me. Hello, John. Hi, Reed. This is um, your 15,000th listener. Oh, I hope so. I used so. to be your 14th listener, but I rounded up a whole bunch of my <laughs> friends, and, and your audience is expanding rapidly. Good stuff. <laughs> yes. Listen, this schedule for the end of the season here, it's amazing. Like, we play Vancouver three times and Colorado twice. You've got to figure that's 10 points. And we don't see San Jose until the end of the month. We have two games left with them, two with Anaheim, and three with L.A. By the end of the year, it's going to be like being in the playoffs for two or three weeks, you know? We're going to see a lot of really good hard hockey. Well, yeah, the games against Anaheim and the Sharks uh, could potentially be big ones for positioning. I mean, the Islanders and the Pittsburgh, uh, the Islanders and Pittsburgh next week, they're decent squads. Montreal's got a new coach and a good goalie. They're here on the 12th. Uh, I mean, Boston uh, will be fighting for positioning. They're here on the 16th. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is the interesting at this time of year, John. You'll have some teams that are really scratching and clawing, and then other teams that you might look at and say, well, the Oilers should beat them, but they got to go out there and play against them like it's another team that's scratching and clawing. Well, yeah, it's like you say, there's no freebies. Listen, I watched this Ryan Mansa play as a junior. Oh, cool. And he he is good. He's lanky. He's big. He's got a lot of skill. He's got he's a terrific skater, and you know what? Uh, he's got a good shot too, and he's a right D. So, Shirelli's uh, been watching him for a while, and, and people don't realize that you know Shirelli's skills. It's not just short term stuff. He's got a medium term plan and a long term plan, and he's way ahead of the rest of us. <laughs> I just uh, I just continue to be impressed with how how he does things and how it's systematic and you know uh, we're going to get results so how can you knock that? Well this Mantha young man he's, he is a 20 year old but he does lead his team in scoring from the back end and like you said he's a right shot he's 6 foot 5 he is the captain of the team so yeah I mean maybe in, I mean maybe he's another Matt Benning that you know could be on the team sooner than we think I don't know I mean he's trying to build up the deep prospects but I mean we've we've overused unfortunately the term rebuild in this fan base for a long time but when you do talk about rebuilding an organization you're not just talking about at the NHL level and this the, the Oilers do not have enough prospects who can come in and be competent NHL players I think it's improving but, uh, I mean, you'd, you'd like to be, what, 15 or 16 forwards deep where you feel like, okay, forwards maybe 11 through 16 are all kind of the same in ability. There's not a big drop after 11 or 12. No, but you know what? It does take a little bit of time, and, and some of these smaller deals that you don't hear much about can turn into a Benning or turn into somebody who's, you know, just kind of off the radar, and, and they are building up. The, the lower level, so that's really good. I'm, I'm pumped up. Good stuff, John. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Thanks for taking my call, Reed. That is John at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Good to, to uh, hear from him tonight. Of course, Todd McClellan was once 
on the Detroit Red Wings coaching staff. He knows they're having a bit of a tough season, but here are his thoughts on facing them tomorrow. My experience is being in Detroit and understanding the, the Red Wing mentality and the winged wheel. Like, there's a lot of pride there. And uh, their captain's been there for many years. Um, he won't let them slip. He won't let them take a day off. He won't let them mail it in. And, um, you know, that's how Zetterberg is. So they'll come and play. They're going to compete uh, viciously to the end. And he'll make sure that happens. So we're going to have our hands full tomorrow. Um, you know, we almost have to look backwards and look at our team. For most nights last year down the stretch, we competed awfully hard. There was a few where we weren't very pleased, but most nights when we were out of it, we competed hard. Guys knew they were, they were playing for uh, contract extensions, ice time, jobs, uh, whether it was here or maybe somewhere else. You look at Cracknell and, and some of those guys that are having good years with other teams. Uh, that was because they played well down the stretch. You know, good comment. I'll, I'll just say this. If the Oilers go out and play at their potential tomorrow or really close to it, they stand a good chance. They just got to make sure they do that. Chris from Phoenix on the line. You got a minute and 41 seconds today, buddy. Oh, holy cow. I think uh, your other call is going to be a jealous. I get tons of time here. <laughs> hey, uh, what, this Manta kid, uh, does he have, he's got the size. He's got the frame to grow into this. Does he have the speed? Like, how is his? How does anybody? What's the scouting report on his for his uh, for his quickness and everything? I'm not sure about that. And I interviewed him, and I didn't I didn't talk to him about that. I I but I I think the the size and you know probably the shot or his strengths. Well, that's that's good because the like the size and, and his strength are things that you can't well the size can't really teach that. So, um, as far as our prospects, well, let's. let's Let's be realistic. Uh, before Shirelli, we really didn't really have that deep of a prospect pool, uh, primarily because most of them graduated, and and everybody else that we drafted from like uh, the first round on seems to have not been panning out. Other than like uh, you know Clefbaum, who was a late first round pick, and and uh, Pitlick, who you know was a, was a decent pickup in the second round. Uh, but I, I love what Shirelli's doing with with signing like uh, older players. Uh, players that are uh, you know coming out of college, it, it's good. He's, he he knows what he's doing, and like I've said before, this is we we've turned this team around 180 degrees. We as much as people uh, when Bob was saying that he uh, he thought that we were going to be pretty good this year, I don't think any of us really realistically thought that we were going to be as far up uh, the standings as we are. Um, I was hoping uh, for at least 500, and we're well above that. So if we come out tomorrow. Uh, playing to our potential, we should smoke Detroit, and it's nice because I love beating the crap out of Detroit. Growing <laughs> up in Windsor, Ontario, beating the Red Wings, God, it's like it's like beating the Leafs and the Flames. It just it just melts my heart. So let's go Oilers, and uh, here comes the playoffs. That is Chris from Phoenix checking in tonight. We have the seven o'clock news up next. Then more inside sports on Chad. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on six thirty, Chad.